Greetings, everyone. It is now time for Mark Safe, tales of your very favorite and most beloved man-made disasters. On Mark Safe, we discuss events and details that some may find disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. Please listen responsibly. And now, here with your hosts, Brianne and Melanie, this is Mark Safe. Good evening. Good evening. You sound so soothing. <laughs> Thank you. I think we both need that. We're so grumpy. We are, but not with each other. Never with each other. No. We're both in the most dreadful mood. Gosh. This has been like the shittiest of weeks. It's been such a shitty week that I got a targeted ad while we were talking about our problems on Facebook that was a shirt that just said everything is terrible. Everything is terrible. I don't know what's what's not terrible. I have never had such a focused mood that I have gotten an actual targeted ad about it. <laughs> that's that's a new level. Our grumps are synced. It's like our period, but it's yeah. just oh, our grumps. Dude. Our grumps are always synced and our, our like chaos is synced. Anytime one of us has a kid that is a street brawler and won't go to bed and we're running two hours behind schedule to start recording, it's not just that person. Which has been the past two episodes that we've had to deal mm-hmm. with this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And this week we were both just like, everything's terrible. So terrible I need to buy a t-shirt about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's not... The, the kids are going to bed, whether they want to go to bed or not. Yeah. If, Good night. If my kid wakes up, we're not bleeping it out. Like, you're Mm-mm. just going to have to listen to it scream. If I have yeah. to listen to it, y'all have to listen to it. Yeah. Yeah. That's just, I mean, there's sticks between us, so. That's the way it's going to be tonight. Yeah. Get over Let's it. pray for us. <laughs> pray for you. Pray for everybody. I think I broke my toe last night. No, what happened? I was tucking my kid in, and I hit it, and I said a bunch of words that I immediately regret regretted saying in front of my kids but it's like purple (laughs) and it hurts oh that's the last thing you need yeah and ava she's so cute she's like you gotta go to the doctor oh and i'm like they can't do anything with a broken toe and she's like you're lying (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's time to learn about the futility of life Yeah. yeah so i'm sorry about your toe well I got nine more, right? (laughs) Shit. I mean, that's one way to look at it. Yeah. I did. I did a thing. Hmm? Go ahead. I did a thing that was supposed to be good self-care this week, which was buying a fancy new chair for myself. Mm -hmm. I've been recording in a squeaky chair. chair. (laughs) Oh, my God. No one. I'm spinning all around right now. I bet you don't hear it. I've been recording in a chair that no one should record in. It is old. It is rickety. It is holy shit squeaky. And it also, something has gone wrong with the bottom. One time Adelaide sat in it and leaned way too far and she did something to it. And if you don't sit down very carefully or you lean in any direction, the entire top will just come right off. (laughs) It'll just turn into a two-piece chair and you will be on the floor. And that's been the situation for like 
minimum four months and I've been too cheap to replace it. And I got a nice, fancy, new, ergonomic, like um, leather padded captain style office chair from Amazon. Mistake. And how long did it sit at your door? About a week. Listen, what was I supposed to do? Once I took it out, I had to assemble it. And the reviews said it was a hard assembly and I didn't have time. So shut up. <laughs> anyway, um, I assembled it. I ignored the maybe two reviews because there was no uh, chair that wasn't like $600 that didn't have some bad reviews. So I ignored the couple that said the lumbar support is really weird and you're not going to enjoy it. I ignored that. But I got it and the lumbar support is like a huge hard pillow and an awkward place in my back. So I can't sit comfortably trying to eject me from this chair. Can you return it? I mean, if I want to disassemble the entire thing, repack it in a box and mail it back. (laughs) Do I? Probably not. Or will I be uh, getting ejected from my chair for some time to come? Now... The lumbar support thing area is just like a big padded situation. And I pointed out to the audio guy that I am very capable of taking a little bitty exacto knife and cutting a little slit in it in a place you will not see, taking some stuffing out, maybe taking all the stuffing out or padding or whatever is in there. That's giving me anxiety. You cutting anything that's brand new. See, okay. You and the audio guy both. And I'm like, listen... The resentment that I feel toward this chair, because I mean, it wasn't a $600 chair, but it wasn't a $50 chair either. You just want to fucking stab it. The resentment that I feel toward this chair and the lack of interest that I have in disassembling this thing piece by piece and trying to mail this massive box back to Amazon, it's intense. And the only issue I have with it is the lumbar support. It's nice otherwise. But... This this cushion thing needs to go, and it's attached. So you want to take I a can... knife to it and pull out its guts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I really think it would be a lot more comfortable. The audio guy's a little bit uncomfortable with that. He uh, sat in it, and I was like, what do you think? And he's like, it's, it's not that bad. It's... <laughs> Liar. It's... And then he hiccuped. he's like well it um you know it it makes you sit up really straight and really how far back do you want to sit and i'm like all the way (laughs) i want to sit all the way back (laughs) like if i were to try to sit back there would be like the lumbar support would be all up against my lower back but there would be like a five inch gap between the top and my shoulder yeah no no that's that's not working for me so yeah, we'll see if I make it through this episode without getting out a knife. It's it's an exacto knife. It's not like a steak knife. Well, it's one, you know very... what? It's one of those weeks. So if you want to use a, something that's serrated, I don't, I don't <laughs> even care. Yeah. So it it's too big of a gap. It's not working for me. I just want to make a little surgical incision, remove its organs, and sit comfortably. So stay tuned for that drama. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> Should we get down to our cryptid bracket? Yes, I think that might cheer me up. You know, will it? They're really, we're really getting you are some personal. You're such a fucking optimist. <laughs> <laughs> we are really getting into some uh, personality for these 
critters now. The first two were just lake snakes, and here we go. Okay, do you remember the names of these critters? Because I don't, I don't know that I actually wrote them down. I did research them. Hold on, I have it. Unless I, you have no, it I, I have it right here. Okay, what's the first one called? Sinkhole Sam. Okay, Sinkhole Sam. I'm underwhelmed. Well, do you want me to tell you who he's against? <laughs> I mean, I'm <laughs> underwhelmed no matter who he's against, but go for it. Against, <laughs> Does it matter? <laughs> against this slide rock bolter. Yeah. So anyway, I'm underwhelmed by sinkhole slam. Well, um, it's not slam. He, it's Sam. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I am creating cryptid categories in my head now. And apparently there's an eyeshadow called Sinkhole Sam. Really? Yeah. Um, I am now making some loose cryptid categories in my head. And I am also going to file Sinkhole Sam under Lake Snakes, even though he's not exactly. He's too freaking snaky. He's like a cross between a snake and a worm. I'm not impressed. <laughs> I don't want to see any more Lake Snakes on this bracket. <laughs> And I hope I don't. Okay. He is, I mean, I guess I should introduce him, although I feel that I already have. He is this creature in a Kansas sinkhole. He's, he big as shit. He looks like a worm snake and I do not care for him. It kind of gives me like tremor vibes. Are you familiar with that movie? Of course I'm not. It sounds familiar, though. What is it about? Maybe I am. It's like a bunch of these little creatures underground that come up and eat you. Hmm. Sounds familiar. I don't know. I, I don't like him. I don't like him. He's not the winner. Hmm. He would never be the winner because I don't appreciate the fact that, first of all, worm-snake combo? No, that's bad plus bad equals worse. No, no, I'm afraid not. No, absolutely not. Jesus Christ. Second of all, I the only thing that redeems lake snakes is when they do that cute thing that Nessie does, where they put like little sections of their hump above the water in the line. That's actually kind of cute, and I hardly ever see him doing that in illustrations of him. I just see him coiled up in nasty ways. Yeah, I don't like when snakes swim. He kind of looks like a hookworm also. No, hell no, I don't like it when snakes swim. I mean, I don't like it when snakes do anything, but no, no, Sinkhole Sam, you suck. Yeah, okay. And if we had somebody who was going to lobby for Sinkhole Sam, I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) Okay, let's move on. Do you not even want to talk about... No, that's what we're moving on to. Okay, okay. (laughs) We're moving on to the Slide Rock Bolter, who you do already know is going to win just because I hate Sinkhole Sam. But let me tell you why. Okay? And this, this is a creature that that deserves describing. (laughs) Yeah, it does. (laughs) So, wow. This... Is some kind of, it looks like a children's board game. Kind of like Hungry Hungry Hippos on the side of a mountain. It's not a hippo. It looks like 
Hungry, hungry hippos. If the game board was the side of a mountain and instead of a hippo, it was a really pissy eel. That had a baby with a catfish. Yeah. Yeah. So the pictures show a mountain and they show this big ass creature that, I I mean, I don't know how it's hiding when it's not (laughs) doing its deeds. I really don't. I don't know how this is a cryptid, if it's a cryptid, because, my God, it's a quarter of the size of the mountain, at least. And the mountain looks big. Yeah, this mountain's big as fuck. And this guy, I mean... He's so good at being a cryptid that you can't even see him when he's supposed to be visible. Holy shit, he's got pointy teeth and angry yellow eyes. And I'm telling you, I'm looking at one of these pictures that has... Uh, it's it's like a drawing, but it's got some color and it's very, it's just, it's really vibrant and I like it. And this guy, one of his, it shows a bunch of presumably full grown pine trees all around the base of the mountain. One of his teeth is half the size of a full pine tree. <laughs> his, his, his eyes are the size of pine trees. He is enormous. So I would like to know what he's up to when he's not lunging down the mountain, gulping up entire mountain climbing groups. What the hell? Do you think it's like his attacks are like avalanches almost? I mean, maybe. I don't know. And then there's a picture where he's a little bit like light green. It's a few down and it's very bright. And this looks almost more like a big ass hill, but it's got pine trees still that he's much, much bigger than. And in this one, I mean, proportionally and just positionally, he kind of looks like, I don't know if this is just an Indiana thing. Surely not. We have a fall festival here where you can go and it, it looks like a big dragon and you walk into its mouth and you walk all through it. I don't remember what goes on in there. Some lights or something. Do you have that anywhere else? Mm-mm. Oh, really? Wow. Okay. Well, it's cool. It's it's like um, I don't know. It's a tunnel. It's a tube. You walk through it, but it outside it looks like a big ass dragon laying down with its mouth open that you walk into. And this kind of reminds me of that. Huh. So, okay, the Slide Rock Bolter is going to win for sheer nuts, really, first of all, (laughs) for trying to be a cryptid when it is the size of an entire mountain, (laughs) eats people. I mean, Bigfoot can only dream of being this ballsy. I bet he ate Bigfoot. Shit, probably. And Slide Rock Bolter rolls off the tongue. I like it. It looks like a horrifying children's game. I hate Sinkhole Sam. And I mean, I, I've i realized last week, this is criteria I never expected to have, that I kind of respect plot holes when it comes to cryptids. Because, I mean, don't worry about it. Just don't worry about it. You know? So plot holes, subcategory. Yeah. It's like yeah. the petting zoo category. Mm-hmm. I guess so. Creatures with egregious plot holes. Because, you know, there's there's <laughs> like Bigfoot. There's conventions of people pre- 
producing somewhat credible evidence that maybe Bigfoot's a thing. Here are the reasons that you haven't found a Bigfoot corpse. This is what's going on with Bigfoot. Okay. I mean, that's kind of boring. Like maybe, maybe, I don't know. Maybe Bigfoot is sure. Okay. We thought pandas were a cryptid for a while. But what? <laughs> it, it just, it has pure, don't worry about it energy. Yeah. And I appreciate that, actually. <laughs> it's the same with Meshikenabit. You know it has the same energy. How did that guy get into a man-made lake alone, just him, to live for a long time in a man-made lake that's not really all that old? I don't know. Don't fucking worry about it. You know, as a parent... How- I really want to be like, like the rock slide bolter where you're there, but nobody pays attention to you or sees you. Oh, God. That's the dream. That's the dream. I want to be him and when I, I mean, grow up. Yeah. Like, apparently he just charges down the mountain like a runaway freight train, eats people, and then I guess slides back up. But I'm not sure how he could ever hide. Like, if this guy was real, people would just be like, oh, look, there's the mountain monster. Nothing cryptic about it. <laughs> but but don't fucking worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it's it. It's a slide rock bolter. It's going to fucking eat you. Stop. So he wins. I like it. Maybe he'll win the whole thing. Who knows? I respect his balls. I respect his brass. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I I just appreciate that he is not concerned with proving himself to anyone. I like it. I dig it. I yeah. dig this one actually. Yeah, I, we all need that energy. I agree with this hot take. We don't take. need to justify shit. This this monster's alternate name, his subtitle, his nickname is it's our fucking podcast. <laughs> As we've been saying for almost a year now, you know? I like it. Yeah. He's our new mascot. That's that. Yeah. Anytime we want to do some stuff that we feel like we need to defend, does the, oh God, what's his name? Rock slide. slide. <laughs> yeah. Does the rock slide bolter need to justify himself? No. No. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. All right. Yep. All right. Yep. 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 I like it. All right. Yep. You want to tell me a story? I'm going to tell you three. Or are we just going to leave it at that? That's it. That's the end of the episode. <laughs> Let's use that energy and go to bed. No. Yeah, well, we thought about earlier. We were we were just chit chatting before we even clapped in and started the episode. And we were like, "Are we are we gonna are we gonna do this? Or are we just gonna talk for a while, call in sick, and go to bed?" <laughs> but we're here now. We're so you here. Might as well tell me we're something. We're here. We're here. We're here. We're grumpy, but we're gonna we're mm-hmm. gonna not at you, not at each other. Just in general. Just in general. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I got something for you today. I got mm. a couple somethings. So I know I've mentioned kind of sexy. <laughs> This is not a sexy episode, unfortunately. Oh, shit. It might gross you out a little bit. Oh, no. Okay. Well, one of them. So, I know I mentioned before, um, but my ass belongs to the bluegrass. I was raised (laughs) in Kentucky. This time of year always makes me super duper, duper, duper sad and homesick because it's derby season, y'all. And you just want to put a hat on. Uh, No, 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 no. I don't do all that. What? What? No. No, you have to. No. You have such derby hat energy, it is unreal. 
But I feel like you would put like a taxidermy animal on it. No. Really? You wouldn't wear a big ass derby hat with a taxidermy possum on top? I probably would. (laughs) Bullshit. (laughs) I don't know. There's just something about like doing the redneck part of like the infill, like not getting fancy, but just drinking and hooping and hollering and. I mean, that's fair. I'm not from Kentucky, so I can't really relate to that. But we do have the Indy 500 here, and that's a whole ass culture. Yeah. I want to go to the Indy 500. It's something. It's it's all the rednecks you can dream of. <laughs> and then some. I used to live like a quarter of a mile from the track, maybe eighth of a mile. Like close enough that people park in your lawn during the Indy 500. And they pay you, right? <laughs> I mean, depends on what kind of show you're running. Well, I mean, you should be. I mean, people live next yeah, to you should be. Churchill Downs. Yeah, no, people people generally charge for it. Rent it's, out their, you know, it's the their whole, front yard. It's a whole thing. But yeah, I've I've lived within park on your lawn distance during an Indy 500. And it is, it's wild. Oh, I want to go. One of these days. One of these days. Yeah, so it's it's derby season, um, and it makes me homesick every year. I'm like, God, I always say, I'm going to go back home. I'm going to go to the derby or just like just do derby stuff. And What is derby stuff? Explain this. Explain derby culture to people who don't really know because I don't really know. Okay, so, well, we have Thunder Over Louisville, and Thunder Over Louisville kicks off derby celebration. So the actual... Run for the Roses, the Kentucky Derby, is the first weekend in May. Always. When I moved to Oregon, I was waitressing at um, Buffalo Wild Wings. And they have a fuck ton of TVs, right? And Mm -hmm. so I had to work and I'm like... It's bizarre how many TVs they have. I counted in there once. We've got a whole thing with B-dubs. Yeah. Well, so I was like, hey, you know, like I'm working. It's the Derby. Can you turn the Derby on? And they're like, the Derby's not today. And don't fucking argue with me when the Derby is. I'm telling you that the Derby is on right now. Turn a fucking TV on for me. Like, they did. I mean, I'm right. I'm always right. Of course. Um, of course. So it's a whole season. It's not just a horse race. So you have, um, like, the chow wagons, the riverfront, where you get food. I, I'm sure they're not doing that with COVID. Um, but they have Thunder of Louisville, and that, like, kicks off the whole celebration. And it is an air show and the most epic firework show that you will ever see in your life. I want to say it's, like, the largest in North America. Oh, my God. Um, they Last year was the first year ever it was canceled because of the pandemic, which Ugh. is a super fucking bummer. This year they did, um, they separated it the the whole really? production over like five different sites i think i was reading somewhere that like word got out on where two of the sites were going to be and they wound up canceling them last minute just to oh avoid a mass gathering which, this is why we can't have nice things yeah but i mean good for them for being like yeah yeah but i don't know no, i mean playgrats are why we can't have nice things not not derby organizers yeah so i didn't get to see any of it this year usually i try to try to catch a live feed i didn't get to watch it this year because that's a bummer well my dryer was catching on fire and oh let's talk about that real quick yeah i was holy shit dude yeah so my kid was puking everywhere um the night before so i threw a bunch of clothes in the wash and luckily i just 
took care of her. I didn't worry about putting in a dryer. I think now like, oh my gosh, you should never dry your clothes at night. Like, just don't do it. It's not worth it. I don't. I don't. I never leave it on if I'm asleep or out of the house. Yeah. So. I'm weird about it. Eric thinks I'm stupid. No, I'm it's smart. It. I've been down a major rabbit hole because of this. So, um, the next morning I switched her bed linens over to the dryer and for some reason I was like kind of lingering around a little bit, like just being slow. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I was like, something just smells off. And since I'm pregnant, like I'm just super sensitive to all that. Yeah. And I was like, is that coming from the dryer? And I bent down and I'm like. That smell, it smelled like marshmallows almost. Like, like toasted marshmallows? Toasted marshmallows. Ooh, that's not, that's not what you want your dryer to smell like. No. And so I, I, what I should have done is turn it off and walked away. Um, I found out that you're not supposed to open your dryer because that pushes oxygen in, which could. (gasps) Oh my God. Yeah. So if you guys are having a dryer fire, don't open your shit. Don't pull a Melanie. Um, luckily, um, I it was able, it just kind of snuffed itself out. And the thing yeah. is, is... Was it an actual fire, like with flames? I mean, evidently, because the stuff I pulled yeah, out was on fire. I guess fire. it must have been. Yeah. So I called for Cody and he, you know, he went out to check the vents to see if the fire was coming from the back. We got everything unplugged. Um, the kids we had by the door, like it was, I was really proud of them. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was like, it was so weird because our unit is not old. Our unit is like two and a half years old. Yeah. Um, and we move a lot. So we're constantly changing the little accordion duck. And apparently, uh, lint goes inside your unit. I never knew that. Yeah, I saw the post that you made and I decided I would save my questions for the episode so it can be a PSA. Like, where inside the unit? Okay, so when you, like, on my dryer, there's a panel on the front that um, you can take a, like, a flathead screwdriver and it pops off. Okay. And so you can, you have visibility on like the heating element which is like a bunch of wires and coils like inside an open box and then there's um the blower i mean it just looks like a little fan so i open it up and it's like it's jam-packed full of lint and you can see in the heating element it's all like i mean it was put out but it was like it was on fire it was lint that was on fire it was super scary. That's terrifying. And so we pulled it out. And like I said, my unit's two and a half years old. And I want to say it filled up like a quarter of a trash can with the amount oh of lint. Mind you, there's six of us in this house. And I have a dog that blows out his fur like twice a year. So we probably have more lint than the average family. But we called. I made the post on social media and um, Cody's um stepmom she opened up hers and she's like oh my god i would never known and hers was packed and so now i have these people that are open and they're like it's packed with lint so check your shit oh my god okay and aunt veda's super scared about it too and i'm like i don't mean to scare anyone i'm not doing this to scare you um and i don't expect you know my aunt veda to get on her hands and knees and like with her tools like opening up her 
dryer and stuff, but I will drive to her state and do it. For there, her. you can call someone. They have companies that oh, okay, do this professionally that will oh. come in and clean. You don't. I really love that though. I love that energy. Um, Protect Aunt Veda. Yeah, I told her I was at all like, costs. Just I will. I'll help you find someone. Like we'll get we'll get it sorted. So, but yeah, it was scary. So yeah, I missed uh, Thunder Over Louisville. Because of a blunder in Louisiana. <laughs> <laughs> and now you're giving us this episode to make up for it. Yes. Yes. Okay. So check your dryers. Seriously. Yeah, I intend to. Um, It was scary. I never knew anything about it. Actually, a dryer company. I don't know. I didn't put hashtags or anything, but I, I'm a, you know, a boomer energy. But uh, <laughs> a dryer, a professional drying dryer vent company retweeted our tweet which really? i thought was really cute he was like i'm glad this family is safe <laughs> oh that's actually really sweet yeah i thought it was super sweet too so yeah it's really important and uh learn from my mistakes and i was like i kept telling cody i was like the disaster podcaster dies from a dryer fire <laughs> like what the fuck i think about our disaster deaths all the time <laughs> yeah i mean it's gonna be something where it's like of course you idiot like you should have known yeah. better <laughs> i was visiting family this weekend who's uh not not a disaster junkie at all doesn't know any of this kind of stuff and we started talking about roller coasters and her husband was like, nope, I'm not getting on a roller coaster. You won't catch me on that. And she was kind of giving him a hard time. And I'm like, let me pull up my show notes from these two episodes we did and tell you all the bad shit that can happen <laughs> on roller coasters. Yeah, it, it, it happens. I mean. Yeah. I think about the, the odd ways we might go out and how that might translate to an episode every day. <laughs> Gosh. Could you imagine? I mean, if I go out, there better be an episode about oh, me. Like, yeah, same for sure. Yeah, I mean, I it would it would take a while. I'd have to collect myself for sure. But we promised each other when we first started this that if we die, that'll be the final episode. Is the the tale of the others' demise? It's gonna be glorious. Yeah. So if I ever get on here and I'm like, "Hey guys, it's just me this week," either <laughs> Melanie's dead or Melanie just had her baby. <laughs> Which, Guess which? <laughs> oh my gosh, I feel like that's coming soon too, but I don't know. I don't want to think about that right now. <laughs> so let's get back to Kentucky. So okay, so they have the Thunder over Louisville. It's awesome. Kicks off the Derby Week. Um, what else does Kentucky have? Ooh, they have hot browns, which I would do some pretty awful things for for right now. It's a hot brown. I want it in my mouth. Oh. <laughs> Go on. It's an open face sandwich. Okay. It is. Why do they have to call it hot browns? From the Brown Hotel. Ooh. It's. I'm telling you, if you can have a hot brown, you have to have a hot brown. Okay, but that name is poop. It's not poop. But the name is. <laughs> Better knock it off. I am not. Mm. You have no permission to be mean about my hot brown right now. Right. I'm pregnant. Can you just wait? <laughs> Yeah, I'll I'll wait. We'll revisit this. I'm gonna I'm gonna set a notification on my phone for after your due date to make sure I come back to this and make fun of you then. <laughs> no, it's really really good. There's bourbon. We have lots of bourbon, mint juleps. I can't have either one of those right now, but I cannot wait. <laughs> I will definitely have a bourbon 
once I squeeze this baby out. Also, fun fact, our our uh, intro music is was done and created by a Kentucky-based musician, Dusty Bow. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and he's super rad. He just um, released a new single called The Red. So everybody definitely go check him out. He's incredible. You won't be disappointed. I'll link his stuff in the social media. I don't know. It's rad. He yeah, gave us awesome. I want to check that out. He gave us so many options when we were choosing. Like, oh my god! Remember, like, just that. Are we allowed to someday share those? Probably not. I'll have to ask. Oh my Mom. god! It was so that, cool. It would probably blow the, people's minds. Yes, the vibe could have been all different. <laughs> there, what was there? Like four or five? Yeah, I don't know. I remember at least three, maybe four. I don't know. But they, they were, they had nothing in common. <laughs> yeah. And then it was funny because we kind of, we took a poll in the mom groups and mm-hmm. this was the least favorite. And I was like, yeah, I like it, but it's my most favorite. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. And you said, you were like, it's our fucking podcast. Yeah. And then he hired the, a uh, rock slider. <laughs> yeah. And he hired yeah. the voiceover guy. And uh, I think it's perfection. I, I really love our intro music. I- I think we ended up going with the least popular vote for almost everything we ever took a vote on. Not the name. We did go with the popular vote on the name, but we did a lot of what do you think about, you know, these five things or whatever. And we we almost always went with the one that no one liked. We were like, "Eh, you're wrong. Yep. (laughs) No better. Try again. Start your own podcast. Oh my gosh, it's like Cody. It's like he asked for my opinion and then he does the opposite. I'm like, why do you fucking ask me for my opinion then? It's like you're yeah. intentionally. I get it now, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, if they, if they give you your opinion and you feel disappointed, you know. Okay, back to your story. It's time for me to shut up. So basically, Kentucky's great. Yeah. All that to say, I love it. I miss it. I'm homesick. So. I'm going to tell you three of my most favorite Kentucky stories. Okay. All right. Let's go, baby. Go. Okay. All right. Let's start things off with a bang. I am going to tell you the story of a curious bear, a man wearing compact fatigues and Gucci shoes, and a couple of air disasters. My God. Mm Mm-hmm. There's a lot going on there. This, this, this is number one. <laughs> okay. Um, Sounds like a whole episode. <laughs> it, just wait. Okay. Andrew Carton Thornton II was born on October 30th, 1944 to a very prominent family in Lexington, Kentucky. His parents owned the Three Main Stud Farm, which his father had named after a castle in Scotland. There wouldn't be a Kentucky Derby if horses weren't a big fucking deal in the state obviously. And there is just so much money to be made. You know, it's, yeah, it's rich people stuff. Let's face it. (laughs) I think that's why I'm all like, I don't give a fuck about the hats. (laughs) Like give me my cut off (laughs) denim shorts and, and a can of Budweiser and I'm okay. Okay. So Andrew's father raised the 1940 Derby winner, Gahadian and 1945 winner Hoop Jr. And he also prepped and sold the 1971 Derby winner, Canero II, who also won the Preakness. 
Um, it's not a triple crown winner, but it's super impressive. And for if you're not familiar with horse racing, the triple crown is where you win the Kentucky Derby, the Preakness Stakes, and the Bel- Belmont Stakes. Uh-huh. Like you have to win all three. Um, wow. It's really big. It's super rare. Since Sir Barton's win in 1919, there have only been 13 horses to have won the whole shebang. And only 23 who suffered the near miss by just winning two of the three. Oh, what? That would suck. Getting that close? Yeah. Yes, right? I feel like I would just like to win. That would be way worse than just winning one. I think so, too. Or not winning at all. Oh, it would like it makes your heart drop and you get so excited and it's like. If you watch horse racing, it's it's a real fucking bummer, like, watching it yeah. not happen. Yeah. Um, All this to say that Andrew, or Drew, we'll call him Drew because that's what he went by, he lived a very privileged life provided by the income made through horse racing. Okay. After attending a semester at the University of Kentucky, Go Big Blue, Drew changed course and joined the Army. Here, he became a paratrooper and received a Purple Heart when President Lyndon B. Johnson sent troops to invade the Dominican Republic in 1965, you know, to fight communism and stuff, whatever they were doing. Of course. Mm -hmm. In 1968, Drew joined the Lexington Police Department and worked um, on the Narcotics Task Force. Like pretty much everyone with any sort of power in Lexington during this time, he was corrupt as fuck. Okay. He was not a good dude. Um, he would plant drugs to make arrests. He would also take confiscated drugs out of the evidence locker and turn around and sell it. <laughs> Making him some money. He Yikes. definitely took advantage of the lack of oversight of his actions, gaining a reputation for being quite physically violent. Oof. He was... Sounds like a gem. He is awful. He is the epitome of a bad cop. And this whole time, he's just making all sorts of connections. Mm. Um, While on the force, he also went through law school. When he finally got his law license, he resigned from the Lexington Police Department in 1977. But he didn't do much with um, the law license. Then a bunch of fucking stuff is stolen from the China Lake Naval Weapons Center in California. Uh-oh. Weapons worth $250,000, including a 50 caliber anti-aircraft gun, night vision scopes, 1,500 rounds of ammunition. Like, just a ton of stuff. Yeah. Some was stored in Lexington, Kentucky warehouse. The rest went to Columbia. Eventually, because some maids smelled a little bit of pot coming from a Philadelphia <laughs> hotel room, cops were called, accomplices were caught. The Lexington warehouse lease was discovered because you're an idiot. Why do you have that in your pocket? I don't know if it was in your pocket, but (laughs) it was found. And um, the ATF was brought in to raid that facility. Since the culprits involved in the in this theft um, live not only in Kentucky, but across other states, too. And there was totally like interagency feuding about jurisdictions. There was over a year and a half um, between when the theft was discovered and when indictments were made. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Because the Justice Department stubbornly avoided coordinating each state's investigation, prosecutions were hampered a bit. Um, You know, this is a tale of old time, like the male ego, ego getting in the way of like 
actual justice. Or the male eagle. Or the male eagle. Caca! They're very, they're very <laughs> troublesome. They won't stay out of the way of justice. No. Damn you. <laughs> anyway, so Drew was one of 25 men, nine of them from Kentucky, who were indicted in the arms theft. But it wasn't just stealing the government weapons. It was drug smuggling, too. You know, they they go together, right? Yes. Drew was part of the biggest Guns for Drugs network in U.S. history at this point. Drew was at the tippy top of a drug smuggling ring in Kentucky known as The Company, which was, quote, a dope and gun running syndicate with more than 300 members and $26 million in boats and planes. I feel like 300 is not really that many. Oh, that's a lot of money. I mean, $300 for... I guess I'm shaming drug syndicate participation now. I don't know what my life has come to. I don't think that's a more the merrier situation you want to be in. You know what I mean? Someone's going to go run in their mouth. That's, that's fair. <laughs> you would make a terrible criminal brand. <laughs> or maybe I'd make a great one with really high standards. <laughs> I don't, I don't take low participation okay. and just roll with it. All right. No. I expect the best. Well, you better get to vetting. <laughs> <laughs> because of his part in the China Lake Naval Weapons Center theft, Drew was charged with piloting a DC-4 into Lexington from South America, smuggling in a thousand pounds of the devil's lettuce. You really are going to turn this into the Chaotic Men podcast, aren't you? I am. I'm trying to. <laughs> After pleading innocent in California, Drew ran faster than a derby horse, becoming a fugitive for the next several months. Finally, U.S. Marshals find Drew in North Carolina and drag his ass back to sunny California. And for some reason, probably because he's some rich white dude, they let this guy, who is a fugitive, post bail. I mean, of course. When don't they? The bail that he posted is, I don't know. It kind of blew my mind, too. Quote, $75,000 in cash and a $1 million personal surety bond secured by his interest in three racehorses. Like, he put his fucking racehorses up for collateral. Wow. So if he skipped bond, like, those... They're going to take his horses. Those poor horses. They didn't fucking do nothing. No. They're going to be displaced. Ugh. Drew ultimately pled no contest. Felony charges were dropped, and this lucky son of a bitch, he spent five months. Five months. And it's like minimum security prison for a misdemeanor drug charge. For smuggling drugs. (laughs) Holy shit. Also, remember, this is the height of the war on drugs. So if there's any question on who this campaign was actually targeting... It uh-huh. wasn't people who looked like Drew. Exactly. Mm. I was briefly contemplating not getting political, but you went there for me. <laughs> I was like, do I say it? And then I was like, I guess I don't know for sure what this guy looks like. I haven't seen a picture, but I bet I could guess. Yeah, your guess would be absolutely right. Okay. I mean, his name's Drew. No offense to any Drews listening, but <laughs> I think I've done some non-white Drews. Really? Yeah. Hmm. I've done a few. Not this one, though. Not this one. Drew decided to take his newfound freedom and amp it up a bit. 
he decided to fly solo and do his own thing, ditching his cohorts to work for himself. He decides to go from boring old reefer to the booger sugar. Uh-oh. Lots and lots of pure Colombian cocaine. Mm. Obviously, it wasn't long before paranoia set in. While the average homeowner is looking to update a kitchen or a bathroom, Drew was digging trenches, building barracks, and putting up barbed wire fencing on his Kentucky property. Uh, And I'm not talking like the dinky, like, gotta keep my cat on my property (laughs) barbed wire that you see when you're driving down the street. This is like... The concertina wire that you see at prisons, those stuff that's like wrapped around. Oh my god. Could you imagine driving by somebody's house and seeing something like that? I'm like, no. It's, I mean, you know what's in there. You know. <laughs> you know exactly where what's in onto there. Onto you, Drew. Sergeant yeah. Ralph Ross, a retired Kentucky State Police officer formerly in charge of State's Intelligence Division, said, quote, Thornton's farm was the subject of aerial and ground surveillance several times following reports that Thornton was operating a guerrilla warfare training camp for mercenaries. Goodness. Yeah. Sergeant Ross, by the way, he has a, like a super interesting relationship with Drew. I mean, it's. They hate each other because they're like on the (laughs) opposite ends of the spectrum. Like Drew is literally the bad cop and, you know, he's a good cop. You know what I mean? So they, yeah, they have like this weird respect for each other, almost like a Batman Joker. Like they kind of need each other. I always find that dynamic fascinating. It's like, like symbiotic almost like they need each other. Well, that's just like from everything that I just read and consumed, like. That's how it came across to me. Interesting. One morning on September 11th, 1985, Fred Meyer, a person, not the grocery store chain, noticed something odd in his gravel driveway. It was a dead body. Oh, shit. There in Knoxville, Tennessee, was a lifeless body of Drew Carter Thornton, dressed in khaki fatigues and Gucci shoes, sprawled out next to Fred's strawberry patch. He had fallen from the sky to his death. There's a really awesome book that came out in the early 90s by Sally Denton. It's called The Bluegrass Conspiracy, and it it's fantastic. It's so good. I cannot recommend it enough. There's so much in this story, so obviously I'm not getting into all of it. But So she says in her book about Drew's body when it was discovered on Fred's property, quote, They found Army-issued night vision goggles, a money belt containing $4,500, and a bulletproof vest when he hit the gravel driveway. In his wallet was a membership card for the Lexington Fraternal Order of Police. Identifications in the names of Andrew Thornton and Andrew Bourbon, 50 Mm -hmm. telephone numbers, most of which were listed in code, and a personal address book containing fewer than a dozen names. Tied around the neck of the 82nd Airborne Veteran were 10 bandanas of different colors. Lying on his back, Drew's arms were stretched over his head. A trickle of blood from his nose had dried on each cheek. Four of his teeth had been knocked out, and he clutched the ripcord to his partially deployed reserve shoe in his right hand. Under his knees, which were elevated by the bulk, lay a three-and-a-half-foot-long duffel bag containing 75 pounds of pure, unprocessed cocaine. Dude, that's a lot of freaking cocaine. Mm-hmm. The 34 football-sized parcels of cocaine were wrapped in brown paper and were labeled USA 10, the logo that had become the trademark of the Midian cartel. 
Another duffel bag tied to his waist contained his weapons and survival equipment. Holy shit. Can you imagine walking up on that? No. I mean, there was a ton of other stuff that was on. Like, he had, like, weird shit, like, um, gold coins and quotes and (laughs) this guy. So, Drew's plane, a Cessna twin engine, 404, was left empty and on autopilot as he fell to his death. Oh, no. I mean, plane crashes are scary enough, but, like... Now you got one just tooting around on autopilot oh. with no human intervention. I mean. That's that's terrifying, actually. That's fucking scary. <laughs> like, what? Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's an unsettling thought. It is. Um, miraculously, the plane crashed into the North Carolina mountainside in the Nantahala, maybe, maybe not, <laughs> National Forest. <laughs> And no one was hurt. Because the Cessna was basically out of fuel by the time it crashed, there wasn't the fire and explosions that you would normally see in a plane crash. And this essentially preserved what evidence there was. And there was only one item on board the plane. It was a briefcase with a hit list inside, complete with dossiers and photographs of three men who Drew wanted dead. At the top of the list was the name of his nemesis, Sergeant Ralph Ross. Two other Kentucky cops were also on the list. Strangely, the seatbelts for both the pilot and the co-pilot were unfastened. It appears Drew might have had a buddy. Nothing has ever been 100% confirmed. It wasn't long until cocaine started surfacing all over the place. Oh, my God. Drew was returning from Columbia with 200 pounds of cocaine worth over $37 million. Oh, it's a lot of cocaine. It's widely believed that Drew was being tracked, causing him to start pushing the millions and millions of dollars worth of cocaine from the plane before making a jump with that last duffel bag. Oh, quote. The, That's so stressful. It, I would hate that life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, quote, the DEA sometimes trails drug planes by concealing a second transponder, which sends an electronic identifying signal or by replacing the plane's own transponder. In Sally Denton's book, she said of Drew, quote, he was a daring pilot, a master of martial arts who boasted of killing a German shepherd with his bare hands and hey. an expert skydiver famous among jumpers for pulling low or releasing his chute at below 2,000 feet. No, fuck that guy. Yeah, fuck him. Fuck that guy. I, the cocaine was whatever. You don't hurt dogs. And you, and you don't you brag don't, about it. And you really don't hurt German shepherds. No. I had a bunch of kids in my house recently and uh, and my extremely beloved German Shepherd and one of them had said that my dog did something she didn't. I don't remember what it was. I don't I think it was I don't know, knocked somebody down or something. She absolutely did not. And one of them was like, What if what if she had? What if she um was mean to us? And my husband was here. A bunch of kids were here. And I said, honestly, I like that dog more than anyone in this house. So I'm still going to side with her. 
feel that way with my dog sometimes. Yeah, no, my dog is my ride or die. I like her more than I like anyone. And she's a German Shepherd, and they are, that's my breed. They're the best. That's, that's hardcore, my breed. I'm sorry, I okay. put that in. Well, fuck him. Fuck him. No. Not in a fun way. <laughs> no fun for him. <laughs> All right, so whatever the case, he's dead now, so fuck him. Good. And like a fucked up version of Hansel and Gretel, cocaine pepper Drew's flight path. Packages of <laughs> cocaine wrapped like those found on Drew's body were discovered way down yonder on the Chattahoochee. And how many do you think were discovered and just nobody said anything? Probably a ton. Yeah. Enter Pablo Escobar. Oh. A.K.A. Cocaine Bear. Oh. While most people were getting ready for the Christmas holiday, Pablo Escobar was going skiing. The 175-pound black bear was found dead among 40 clawed (gasps) open packages of cocaine in the Chattahoochee National Forest on December 20th. He had ingested 88 pounds of coke. I bet he had a great time right up until he did. Bet he did. Quote, a medical examination revealed that his stomach was stuffed to capacity with cocaine. His death was linked to cerebral hemorrhaging, stroke, respiratory failure, renal failure, heart failure, and hypothermia. <laughs> all signs of a severe drug overdose. I mean, did we really need an autopsy? Oh. I guess it wouldn't be an autopsy. It would be a necropsy. Did we really need a necropsy? <laughs> On that bear, we know what happened. Uh, well, it doesn't end there. Okay. Cocaine bear, despite his high-risk lifestyle, was still <laughs> in pretty good shape, albeit dead. So, the medical examiner had his hunting buddy work some taxidermy magic. Oh, God. And he must have did really good, considering cocaine bear didn't wind up in my new favorite book, Crap Taxidermy. <laughs> cocaine bear was then donated to the chattahoochee river national recreation center then more disaster a wildfire threatened the area so cocaine bear was evacuated and put into storage and as it happened so many times the storage unit was broken into and the contents stolen and pawned including cocaine bear because apparently you can sell your large game taxidermy to pawn shops, no questions asked. <laughs> if it all sounds like a sad country song, don't worry. Country Music Hall of Famer Waylon Jennings bought Cocaine Bear and gifted him to one of his buddies in Vegas, Ron Thompson. Cocaine Bear would reside in Sin City until Ron passed away and his estate was auctioned off in 2009. Chinese medicine shop owner Zhu Tang was the solo bidder and winner of Cocaine Bear, paying just $200 for him. His wife said, quote, He is always bringing home junk from auctions and estate sales and things like that. The bear was one of his favorite things. He just loved it for some reason. At first, he wanted to keep it in our living room, but I wouldn't have it. It scared me. I made him take it to the store. In 2015, the owners of the Kentucky for Kentucky Fun Mall tracked Cocaine Bear down. By this time, Mr. Tang was, had already passed away. They shared with his wife the incredible story of Cocaine Bear. Quote, she said she almost didn't believe us, but if we had gone through that much trouble, we could just have the damn thing just to get it out of her sight. All we had to do was pay for shipping. And that's what they did. 
So I bet shipping was really expensive, though. <laughs> I bet it was, too. I mean, that's a long journey. But yeah, you're, you're just paying shipping, so... And now you got this incredible bear. <laughs> so Pablo Escobar lives happily ever after at the store's Lexington location. You can actually visit um, Cocaine Bear. And can I Google him? Is it safe to do so now? Yeah, go for it. Okay. I don't like to Google in the middle of stories and spoil anything. He's really cute. I actually get a lot of my t-shirts from this store. Cocaine Bear. Oh my. There he is. <laughs> I like the one where he's like wearing a hat. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh, it's so cute. I mean, it it's sad, cute. but it's like, yeah, it's got like a. I mean, you got to go somehow, and what a way to do it. Yeah. So, yeah, Cocaine Bear hanging out in Lexington, um, the same city where 71 years before it found its forever home at the Fun Mall, a baby boy was born that would change Cocaine Bear's destiny forever. Wow. Yeah. All right. Let's get a little bit darker now. Okay. There's so much more to the Andrew Carter Thornton story that absolutely needs its standalone podcast. Um, <laughs> I basically gave you the highlight reel. So if somebody like wants to do it. What a reel it was. My God. Someone needs to do this fucking podcast. There's so much to it. I mean, it would be phenomenal. And plus I need a new binge anyway. So. I'm requesting somebody in the (laughs) true crime area to really do a deep dive on this. There's so many players. There's political corruption and murders. I mean, it it makes your head spin how much there actually is. In 1985, there was a plane crash that killed 16 innocent people who were on a skydiving excursion with um, their parachute club. Three minutes after takeoff, it crashed. The cause? Sabotage. Someone put sugar in its fuel tank. The owner (gasps) and pilot of the plane, David Williams, was suspected of being Drew Carter's co-pilot on that cocaine run that led to his death. Oh. An unidentified FBI agent said, quote, those Colombians are upset they didn't get their shipment. They wanted to make Williams pay for messing up. Mm. There's also a missing persons case tied to this that would feel gross if I didn't include it. I know this story had like the cocaine bear has been covered a couple times, but I think it's really important to kind of highlight this because it is very open and active. So Melanie Flynn, she was the daughter of a Kentucky state senator. She was 24 when she went missing on January 25th, 1977. She is like every other 24 year old. She liked to have fun, but because of the times and her gender, like she paid a price for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Quote, Melanie was working as an informant with the police at time at the time of her disappearance. She agreed to introduce a detective, Bill Canan, to members of the drug culture to avoid her own arrest for possession of marijuana. She took Canan. I feel like I've heard of this story before. This sounds a little bit familiar. Yeah, she took Canan to parties and introduced him as her boyfriend, but he denies that they ever had a personal relationship. Look, Bill Canan was her boyfriend. He's fucking lying. Like, it just, it's crazy. He reported her missing three days after her disappearance. Bill Canan was also well-known associate of Drew's. Melanie spent a lot of time with both of these guys. So it's, it's really not hard to put a picture together of what happened to her. Yeah. She clearly knew way too much. In August of 1977, seven months after her disappearance, 
Melanie's purse was found floating in the Kentucky River near Camp Nelson, 20 miles south of Lexington. The purse contained lipstick, a perfume atomizer, and two bottles of medicine, one which was her antihistamines. The Lexington police investigation into her disappearance during this time was shoddy at best and like it screams police cover up Mm. you know and remember drew's on this in the police department around this time too yeah she was five foot five foot one and weighed about 100 110 pounds she had blonde to light brown hair brown eyes if still alive today melanie would be 68 years old Oh, that always makes me so sad yeah. to think how old. Yeah, because there's so much people or whatever would be so yeah. much life still, and you never yeah. know. Somebody like might know something. You, you know, like heard something. So yeah, if you have any information on the disappearance of Melanie Flynn, please contact the Lexington Fayette Police Department at eight five nine two five eight three five six three. If you want a deeper dive into this. Definitely, definitely, definitely check out Sally Denton's book, The Bluegrass Conspiracy. It's it's really good. I mean, don't read it distracted because there are so many people in it and it's easy to get lost, but it's it's so well done. She actually did most of the reporting of this like as it was going down and she wrote a Washington Post article, which I believe is what led her to actually pursuing writing a book about it. Wow. Also, there's an episode about this on Court TV's Dominic Dunn's Power, Privilege, and Justice. The episode is titled Freefall. I watched it. It was really good. And then, like, I was like, wait a minute. That name sounds familiar. It's because we also cover Dominic Dunn's daughter's, his own daughter's murder, Dominique Dunn, in the Poltergeist episode. Oh, that, yeah. I didn't realize he had his own. I knew he was a journalist, but I didn't realize he also had... His own, like, court TV show. Yeah. Wow, it's so wild when the stuff ties together like that. Yeah. So, all right. I'm going to lighten it up a touch. (laughs) Okay. We're going to continue this Kentucky compilation with more things from from the sky. It's not raining men, hallelujah, but it's still very (laughs) much made of flesh. Oh. We're going to talk about the Kentucky meat shower. What? Yeah. Okay, hold on. I have to tell you something real quick. Okay. Okay. So this one time, I this this probably has super nothing to do with what you're about to say, but it made me think of it. And I just want to tell you this. This one time I was walking down a sidewalk in an area not near water and it was not, it had rained like maybe the day before. And I looked down and there was an entire ass fish on the sidewalk. Where did it come from? There was from? no water. I don't know. The sky? That's my theory. It was like a fish, like the kind of fish, like a lake fish. Well, buckle up. Because this is right up your alley. <laughs> uh, that's not my alley, actually. <laughs> Fish alley. i in there, but I don't live there. <laughs> Ew. It was a very nice afternoon on March 3rd, 1876. Mrs. Crouch of Bath County, Kentucky, was taking advantage of the warm weather by making a fresh batch bar soap on her front porch. She said, quote, The skies were clear and the sun was shining brightly. There was a light wind coming from a westerly direction. As she worked away, something horrendous fell from the sky like snowflakes, despite no change in the beautiful weather. Quote, without any prelude or warning, and exactly under these circumstances, the shower commenced. I became alarmed and fled in the house. Chunks of flesh rained from the sky for minutes, saturating her property. What? Okay, first of all, what would a prelude to that be? 
the sky's turning dark, maybe? Uh, okay, carry on. <laughs> Holy shit. Some pieces were as large as four by four inches. Not everyone was horrified by the falling carnage, though. Mrs. Crouch shared that the hogs, chickens, cat and dog all enjoyed the unexpected snacks and seemed to really like them. That's why I don't like pigs. <laughs> they're nasty. When her husband and son arrived home, a very shaken Mrs. Crouch told them of the unbelievable event. It had to be a warning from God. As she watched from the safety of her home, her husband and son went outside to retrieve pieces of the meat, noting that the fence rails where the meat had fallen onto were stained with something that looked like blood. What? News of the Kentucky meat shower spread like wildfire, and it was only a matter of days before the New York Times reported the phenomenon, which is pretty impressive for the late 1800s. If you, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. gosh, just a couple days before it gets up there. <laughs> they also reported that two men did the old taste test and said it tasted no. either mutton or venison. Did they at least cook it? I don't know. New York Times just said Ew. that they tasted it and... It tasted like mutton or venison. No, don't do that. New York Times asking the important questions. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but no. Why would you do that? You would probably do that, wouldn't you? You would. Well, <laughs> Melanie. I'm pregnant. I'll eat anything. You're silent. Oh, my God. An Irishman, Jimmy Wells. <laughs> you're, you're just going to slide past I'm going to slide past it. An Irishman, Jimmy Welsh. Also tried to give it a bite about a month later. What? I don't know. <laughs> he wants to try the sky skin. I don't know. <laughs> oh. Heck. It's, oh. I don't know. So, a dare's a dare, I guess. And a once, quote, supper was ready. Jimmy looked at the meat and proclaimed he doesn't just eat meat alone. So, I mean, duh. Give the man some sides if you're going to dare him to eat this, right? So he was given, quote, pickles, crackers, and other accompaniments, whatever that means. What the hell? With the meat on his fork, he unsuccessfully tried twice to put it in his mouth. I wonder if someone did, like, the airplane thing, like, (laughs) like, if it would have made it a little bit easier. (laughs) Unsuccessfully, like, he couldn't couldn't stand to do it? He couldn't stand to do it. Then don't do it, man. (laughs) Well, yeah, it wasn't working. Listen to yourself. Listen to your heart. No. Well... He doesn't give up. So Jimmy had more demands. He needed something to wash it down with. So Jesus Christ. They gave, I mean, obviously. <laughs> they give him a nice glass of whiskey. Jimmy still struggled until he, without admitting defeat, explained he just wasn't hungry. Oh, I'm sure he wasn't. Someone wagered him $5 to get on with it and just eat the meat. That's almost a hundred. That's over $100 with the inflation. I did a real crazy inflation calculator the other day. Yeah? I was listening to Hamilton, as usual, and I was listening to the one where um, Mariah, what's her name, the one he has the affair with, he says that he gives her $30 that he had socked away, and I was like, how much was How much was that? I had to look up when the Reynolds pamphlet was published. I had to go to an inflation calculator, but then it only started at like 1901, so I had to find one that went back to the 1700s. It was like six or $700. That is so. Does you're welcome for that knowledge. I was hoping it was a little more. We actually uh, watched Hamilton last night. Oh well, I I listen to Hamilton every day of my life. I love it so much. Me too. Um, yeah. So hundred bucks. I mean, honestly, I'd consider yeah. it. 
I think. Dude, you would do it for free. Don't lie to me. <laughs> Don't. No. Well, you said you would eat that cinnamon toast crunch with shrimp butts in it. I would. I would do that. I would. This baby do that. has done a number on you. I'm ruined. I'm broken. The baby broke you, me. You really are. <laughs> so you got a hundred bucks on the table, but Jimmy, he remembered something truly significant. Did he leave his oven on at home? It was the season of Lent. It was against his uh, religion uh. to eat the meat. <laughs> and that was the end of that. Okay, bullshit. As a Catholic, you don't forget that it's Lent. No. Well, Jimmy forgot it was Lent. He won't do it. Okay. I think he's just... I think he just had a real quick conversion. He had a problem with his pride, it sounds like. He could not yeah. just say, hey, fuck this. People were so <laughs> dumbfounded by the meat shower, they searched for any and every reasonable explanation. Rumors quickly swirled that Mr. Crouch wanted to sell the farm and Mrs. Crouch wasn't having it, so she schemed up the elaborate prank. Which is ridiculous because wow. if there's ever a reason to move, it would be because of a meat shower. Like, yeah, no one wants to stay because of a meat shower. I don't know. It depends. No. I mean, if it's raining, some do. T-bones. Jesus Christ, Melanie. Well, <laughs> the family, <laughs> I'm getting hungry. You need help. The family laughed the accusations off. So some of the pieces of meat were preserved and seven samples were eventually sent out to scientists who were able to identify them as follows. Two of the samples were lung tissue, three muscular tissue, and the last two made of cartilage. What the hell? The case of the Kentucky meat shower has never been solved, but there are theories. Someone dumped out their picnic basket from a floating hot air balloon passing above the Crouch property. But why would it just be loose chunks of meat? I don't know. These are theories, I guess. Uh, Another, a meteor shower, no pun intended. Was a th- theory. Oh. <laughs> Melanie, that pun was so intended. It wasn't. You're, you're, really. Really. You're blowing a lot of smoke on my ass. Listen, today. New York Times journalist William Livingston Alden wrote, quote, according to the present theory of astronomers, an enormous belt of meteorite, I can't even say it, I'm not going to do it, stones, constantly resolves, revolves around the sun. And when the earth comes in contact with this belt, she is soundly pelted. Similarly, Another word I can't say. We may suppose <laughs> that there revolves around the sun a belt of venison, mutton, and other meats divided into small fragments, which are precipitated upon the earth whenever the latter crosses their path. What? A meteor shower. No. <laughs> I don't accept that one. <laughs> no stock, known as cyan bacteria, was also blamed. Apparently, it turns jelly-like when it comes in contact with rain. But that was ruled out because it wasn't raining that day. The most widely accepted theory is probably my favorite of them all. A wake of vultures doing what vultures do got spooked after eating way too much meat and vomited their lunch all over the place as they flew away. And then some weirdos ate it. Yeah, if you think about it, it's actually pretty gross for the people that did yeah see mr oops it's lent knew what was up (laughs) vulture barf Uh, whatever the case is that's probably my favorite kentucky story that's i'm i like the vulture theory i mean i don't like it but i that's my theory it sounds good to you yeah i I think so it works all right so next let's move on to something a little less gross okay kentucky is not just the home of fast horses 
but fast cars too. Bowling Green, Kentucky is known as the home of the Corvette. You know that? Have you heard of that before? I know we were talking about species of cars. Oh, yes, I've heard of the Corvette. Would I recognize it in a lineup? Not even maybe. No. General Motors has an assembly plant there, and since 1981, it's been producing every single Corvette in existence. To meet the demand of the Corvette fandom, the National Corvette Museum was built only a quarter mile from the plant, and it opened to the public in September of 1994. Every detail of the building screams Corvette, and it is a complete departure from what a normal museum would look like. It sits on 60 acres, and it features a circular car showroom where the exterior is basically, it's like this giant yellow cone, and it's got a 12-story bright red spire shooting from the roof. It's loud. It's quite the sight. Kentucky does have a lot of those blinking, you miss it, like places. This is... This is not one of those. You can see it probably from space. This big yellow marble is part of the museum called the Sky Dome. The Sky Dome is 140 feet in diameter with nearly 100 foot high glass ceiling. And it features a constant rotation of some of the world's most spectacular Corvettes, usually on loan to the museum from private collectors. In 2014, eight cars would go on the ride of a lifetime. There were... There was the 1993 ZR1 Spider, which was a design model that was never built. 2009 ZR1 Blue Devil, both on loan from General Motors. A 1962 Black Corvette. A 1984 PPG Pace Car. A 1993 Ruby Red 40th Anniversary Corvette. 2001 Mallet Hammer Z06 Corvette, all owned by the museum. Additionally, There was the one millionth Corvette, which was produced in 1992, and the one and a half million Corvette, which was produced in 2009. So needless to say, like pretty rare, irreplaceable cars, like fancy, fancy stuff. On February 12th, 2014, Betty Hardison was sound asleep when her phone began ringing just after 530 in the morning. Betty is the library and archives coordinator for the National Corvette Museum, and she was about to have her hands full. The caller, the museum's security company, the burglar alarm was going off in the Sky Dome. Now, I don't know what Betty was planning to do, maybe a little whoop-ass, some Kentucky justice, (laughs) but whatever her plan was, she was the first on the scene at the museum that morning. She entered through the back door, making her way to the Sky Dome. When she entered... There was no electricity, and the darkness filled the room. 911, what is your emergency? Uh, this is the National Corbett Museum. Yes, ma'am. Uh, the sky dome is full of smoke. I need fire out of here. Okay. Do you see any flames or anything? Or No. Uh, but we've had, the floor has collapsed in the back area. She sounds very calm. She's very calm. There's no fire, but there was a sinkhole. And it made smoke? I think it was just probably all the debris and stuff that was, like, pushing up, you know? I don't think it was, like, actual smoke. I think it was, like, dust and stuff. Just after 5.30 in the morning, the ground opened up and swallowed the eight classic cars, triggering the alarm system. And because the museum houses some of the rarest Corvettes in the world... 
the whole thing was caught on surveillance cameras. You see the floor drop, open up, and cars just start falling. It's so cool that it was caught on camera. That is so cool. It's one of those, like, like you can tell it's like a frame by frame, so it looks like it's in slow motion, but still, you get to see a sinkhole swallow up cars. Oh, my God. I knew that there had been a sinkhole there. I was lightly familiar with that, but I didn't know there was a video. I've never seen uh, it. It's so cool. Um, luckily, because... And we can say that, because no one... I assume no one yeah, got hurt, um, since no one was there. Because yeah. the sinkhole happened, like, at the crack of dawn, the museum was empty. So, nobody was hurt. The Bowling Green Fire Department was immediately on the scene, but there was little they could do. Structural engineers, as well as geologists from Western Kentucky University, were called in to investigate the damage and come up with a plan of action. A sinkhole in this area is, like, it's not totally out of the ordinary, you know? Um, yeah. Quote, much of Western Kentucky region is underlain by karst limestone that has been eroded to produce springs, sinking streams, caves, and sinkholes. Yikes. But a 40-foot across, 30-foot deep yeah. sinkhole in a Corvette museum? That's news. That's intense. That's news. Uh, yeah. So the footage, it went viral. Um, well, yeah. Two days after the sinkhole happened, drone cameras showed exactly how bad the damage was and plans to remove the eight cars, most of which were like not even visible, started to take shape. Once the new cave was stabilized, onlookers watched while holding their breath as a crane pulled up the first car, the Blue Devil. It reminded me of like, you know, those claw machines that yes. pull like the toys out. That's yes. what it reminded me of. The Corvette was moved without incident. Um, it only had a few dings and dents. They like got in the car and started it right up. And like the crowd just like Holy erupts in this like huge cheer as the engine is roaring. It's really cool, you know, just to survive a sinkhole. Right. Over the following year, several cars would find themselves restored. One of the cars, the white millionth Corvette, held a surprise when it was recovered and the restoration process began. When they opened the car up, they found signatures. Handwritten names belonged to all the people who had built and worked on the millionth car on the assembly line. All but one signature. That's mm -hmm, so All but one signature was able to be saved during the restoration. But in a true happy ending moment, they were able to track down the owner of the lost signature, and she signed the finished model. Oh, my Isn't God. Isn't that the cutest thing in the whole entire world? That is an adorable story. Not all cars were able to be restored due to the amount of damage inflicted by the collapse, but they were just not tossed out either. The others, left with their wounds and mangled metal bodies, were put on display for the museum's visitors. And there were lots and lots of lots of visitors. The National Corvette Museum saw a 71% increase in attendees. Obviously, all horrible ghouls. In 2015, a West Virginia fifth grader did one of the coolest science fair projects I've ever seen. She did a demonstration of the Corvette Museum sinkhole. The top (laughs) of her exhibit says, tell me this is not the cutest thing. Do you have that sinking feeling? Oh my God. Isn't that adorable? Kids making mm-hmm. puns are it's pretty the cute. Cutest. I I don't think I've ever wanted to high five somebody so bad in my life. I look up <laughs> to her. 
So she built a replica of the Corvette Museum Sky Dome inside a fish tank. And it has like little Hot Wheel Corvettes and everything. So she built a model where you can actually see like the underground layers below the museum because it's in the fish tank. Wow. It's got the bedrock, the non-porous rock, limestone, and topsoil, all that jazz. For the limestone, she used sugar cubes. So Alexis, like, then she takes water and it's in a funnel and there's like, she's got like a little tubing thing. And so it goes into the hole that has the sugar cubes, the limestone, and it oh my God. It and melts it makes it... the sugar cubes, oh. right? And it causes the cave to form underneath the sky dome, which is how it happens. And then sinkhole magic. She's got like a little string and just all caves in and stuff. It was really that's adorable. That's it, so it was creative. so cool. I've never been so proud of a stranger's kid in my life, but it was, she won first place in her division, obviously. That's awesome. So one of the things I love most about this disaster is how the National Corvette Museum took lemons and made lemonade because it really is the Kentucky way. They're all optimists. You can check out the Corvette Cave-In exhibit in person at the museum it opened on the two-year anniversary of the sinkhole to, quote, tell the story of what happened that day, why it happened, what cars were affected, how they were recovered, what karst landscapes and caves are, how the building was fixed, and much more. I don't know. They really expanded their audience with this exhibit, you know, because not everybody's into cars, but, I mean, disasters. Yeah. Also... I'm not into cars, but I yeah. am into sinkholes. Also, if you visit their website, corvettemuseum.org, they put together an interactive tour of the sinkhole and cave before they eventually filled it's filled it now. But they went down there and did the whole thing and made like an interactive tour that you can use your like via it's got uh, VR capabilities like the for the goggles. You know, if yeah. you have goggles, mm -hmm. I'm jealous your stupid goggles, but <laughs> but don't. you can still go on there without the goggles and do a tour of the sinkhole. It's really neat. It's really neat. Also, their gift shop sells jars of the sinkhole dirt and rocks that they removed before filling it up. And I bought two jars, one for myself and one for the cryptid oh, bracket winner. Dude. So, whoever wins. That's so cool. Some, I mean... Limited supplies, obviously. I don't know how much they grab, but someone's going to get some sinkhole rocks. That is cool as shit. You are so cool. It was my first, like... You're so cool. People better hope the slide rock bolter doesn't <laughs> win. Because look for it your mailbox. Like destiny, though, to get rocks because yeah. of the slide rock bolter. Oh. Right? Right? Uh-oh. <laughs> so, yeah wasn't normally gonna you know tell everybody what i have been getting for the gift basket but That's that one cool i couldn't one, i couldn't couldn't wait no, on that you one too so yeah it, it's supposed to be here tomorrow <laughs> that's to awesome in. so by the time this posts i will i will definitely post a picture so everyone can see awesome and that wraps up my uh kentucky compilation that was amazing happy derby y'all that was that was chaotic that was Plot twists, turns, sinkholes, people out in the sky. That had it all. Mm. Eating contest. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, God. You want some disaster relief? 
Of course. What you got? You you go first. Okay. So mine is this YouTube channel that my kids watch. It is, let me pull it up real quick. It's called Art for Kids Hub. Um, and it's this guy named Rob. He is a father of four kids. And he basically will have um, one of his kids sit in and he will teach them how to draw something. It's really cute. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff like from Disney characters, Baby Yodas, to ice creams, to uh, you name it, he draws it. I think they did one where it was like it was him and his wife and they drew his wife. It's just the cutest family ever. You know what I mean? And I love it. So they've been super, my kids have been super duper into this YouTube channel and they've been drawing a lot. Like I'm constantly running out of paper. Well, there's one that they were super fascinated with where they fold this paper up like an accordion and they draw a picture. So I am actually going to take a picture and send it to you real quick of what this is, just so you can see what I'm explaining again. It might look like I'm naked. I am not just be naked. Oh my gosh. Did you send me taxidermy derby hats? Me? Yes. Is that something I would do? Okay. Yes. Okay. So I want you to look. So she drew this picture. It's folded up and it's, she knows I love plants. So it's a picture of plants. Aww. And it says to Ava from mom. And then I'm going to do another one. And then when you unfold it, it shows like an extended picture. How would you explain that? So it's a picture, yeah. but once you unfold well, like it, it's, it's folded like- up. So it's a picture and it's folded so you don't see like the middle part of it. And it looks like a little plant sprout coming out of the ground. But then when you open the page up and unfold it all the way, it's like a taller plant with a really freaking cute face. So, okay. And this is why this is my disaster relief for this week. So they've been watching this YouTube channel and they love it. It's their favorite show. They're constantly watching it. Um, I highly recommend it. So she brings me this and I'm like, oh, have you been watching your how to draw videos? Like this one's, this is probably my favorite one I've ever seen. Like they showed you how to draw this. And she goes, no, mom, I took the lessons that he taught me and made my own design. Oh my gosh. That's so cool. She created this whole thing herself. Oh my god! Using the techniques that she learned. I was impressed thinking she just copied something. No, she used what she learned from Rob in this YouTube channel and made her own thing. This is a really, really good drawing. I am blown away. Yeah. So if you guys have kids that are really looking, like, love to draw or even, you know, don't love to draw but want to try something new, I... I cannot recommend the show enough and you'll get a little peace and quiet too. Cause there's those super into it, <laughs> but the colors are like, you know, that they have like in the background, it's all like primary colors. So it's just very, I don't know. It's stimulating. So yeah, that, yeah, no, that's incredible. I love that. So yeah, that's mine. I love that. Okay. I have two. The first one is once again a TikTok channel. <laughs> um, I'm not going to give you the at handle, whatever you call it nowadays thing. I'm just going to tell you the guy's name because it's much easier. Um, he's called Christopher Ryan Stamey, S T A M E Y. 
and he does he's like a character comedian where he does different characters a lot of them are about southerners like um, and he's got one that's margie the restaurant monster and it's basically (laughs) just like every server's worst nightmare (laughs) um and it's just you know very high maintenance restaurant monster and he's got uh some church people and he's got one called dark darlene and it's like a sunday school teacher who gets way too excited about the spooky parts of the stories in the bible oh my gosh i have to check this out it's just it's just delightful he has a lot of different characters and eric and i reference them constantly (laughs) and it's just really funny it's just really funny it's really good and my second one is the COVID-19 vaccine. You go for shot two tomorrow, huh? I go for shot two tomorrow. Are yeah. you nervous? I'm terrified, but I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard the second one might be worse. The first one was really not bad at all. I got Moderna. And guess who's going to give me my second Tag. One? Tag. Who, who Tag works. is administering my who one. Who wants everybody to yeah. know he works more than 40 hours a week. Oh, my God. He's so... <laughs> He needs to stop. <laughs> yeah, he um, he was saying how crazy his week is this week because he's working five days a week. And he said that in the group chat. And most of those days are 16s. And, but he said, oh, it's such a crazy week. I'm working five days this week. And then he's like, go tell her they're not just eight hour days. That makes it sound like I'm just like complaining about a normal work week. I'm like, she knows she literally knows. And you're being so weird. So he was weird very defensive. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, go tell her yourself. I'm no. And I you. told him, I was like, you may fake hiccups, but you're not lazy. <laughs> I know. This. I'm going to, I'm going to video his fake hiccups sometime. He has a weird thing he does. Anytime he swat, anytime that he swallows a soda, he does this like big, like hiccup gulp choke thing. And I'm like, Ooh. if that's what you do when you drink soda, why do you drink soda? Like stop. You're torturing yourself. Stop it. Yeah. And he's like, I can't help it. It happens every time. And I'm like, it's here's the shipment of attention you ordered because I don't believe it's real. <laughs> he's been doing it for 11 years, at least. It looks painful. He's committed. I, I, I refuse to believe it. He's committed to the dramatics. Yeah, I refuse to believe that somebody could do that every time they take a swallow of soda pop and uh, still drink it. Ever. He's like Jimmy with the flesh meat lint. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yes. God. Just give it up already. Anyway, well, that fucking weirdo is going to give me my second vaccine tomorrow. Um, and I would like to uh, shout out science. I love it. And the COVID-19 vaccine. We have some other stuff we need to shout out. Yeah, we do. We have Patreons. You go first. Yeah. Um, Allie Hamner, thank you so much. I have sent off your stickers you should you might have gotten them you got your package i mailed to you brianne right i did yes yeah so stickers should be at your door by the time this releases for sure and atlantis jackson is our second new patreon shout out Yay, I love her and so much. We love you. Yes, yeah, she full disclosure, she's Eric's aunt. But she is also just one of my favorite humans. She's just the absolute best. She's 
so just genuine and kind and fun to be around. And I wish that you could all know her in person because she is truly the best. Yeah. So thank you, you two. Seriously, from the bottom of our, I think Allie, yes. Allie, they're both in our brackets. Yeah, I think they now are. Now you had to fight yep. to the death. No, just kidding. <laughs> the battle of the Patreon. No, please don't do that. <laughs> oh, ooh, next fight, bracket, fight, Patreon fight. bracket. <laughs> Oh my gosh. They're like, what? By the end, we would only have one. I want a fucking refund. (laughs) Every time somebody would get knocked out, I'd be like, well, fuck her. She loses this week because I don't like her energy. And she drops out of her Patreon. (laughs) Allie, I I hope your hair is soft. You guys, I love you. you What? I said, Allie better have soft hair. Because she's about to be petted. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I feel like I've probably petted Atlantis Jackson before. I don't know. I think her hair's average softness. Ooh, you just said average. (laughs) Shit. She's not average in any other way. I just don't feel like her hair has some kind of abnormal texture. That was some white chicken energy you just did to one of your favorite people. Listen, no. (laughs) No, I will not stand by and have this go down. No. Atlantis Jackson, I love you. But yeah, so thank you guys for the support. That um, it, it means a lot, you know, because it, it eases up some of the the funds that we use to produce it and host it, and host I get it, to buy materials. Yeah, and send, yeah. buy sinkhole rocks. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks. And on that note, I am going to bed. Sweet dreams or no dreams. Hey, Horrible Ghouls. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you would like to share your personal MarkSafe moment, you can send it to us at MarkSafePodcast at gmail.com. Please give our podcast a rate, review, and subscribe, and tell your buddies about us too. That goes a long way. If you want to further elevate your support, check out our MarkSafe Patreon page, where we have shoutouts, goodies, and some bonus content in the works. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks again, and as always, stay safe.